I want you to hit me as hard as you can. He's more than just an action star. More than just a martial arts master. More than just a Hollywood Republican. And more than just a joke. He's Chuck Norris. Pretty much a real-life Captain America, but with more karate and chest hair. Watch any of his films and you will see a one-man wrecking crew ready to take on any evildoers who dare mess with him or anyone he loves. He ruled the 80s and 90s with roundhouse kicks and powerful punches and some guns. He definitely used some guns. But in the last 20 years, Norris has taken a back seat to action movie stardom, and yet has become more famous than ever, thanks to the pop cultural phenomenon that is Chuck Norris facts slash jokes. Here are a few examples. Do you know how many push-ups Chuck Norris can do? All of them. Chuck Norris doesn't need good aim. His bullets just know better than to miss. When the boogeyman goes to sleep at night, he checks his bed for Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris counted to infinity, twice. When Chuck Norris does a push-up, he doesn't push himself up, he pushes the world down. Uh, facts like Chuck Norris once challenged Lance Armstrong in a Who Has More Testicles contest. <laughs> Chuck, <laughs> Chuck, Kahuna's, baby. Chuck Norris won by five. <laughs> <laughs> So why did these jokes slash facts take the world by storm? Well, it's because they're hilarious. But why are these Chuck Norris jokes so hilarious? Well, it's because no matter how ridiculous they get, deep down we all know that we laugh because it comes from truth. Chuck Norris is a man who can pretty much do everything in a totally badass way, like him or not. You have to admit, yeah, he's a guy who gets stuff done. And yes, maybe these jokes are exaggerated, but they are true. Chuck Norris is such a badass that there's nothing left to do but laugh. But yeah, lately it does seem like we have been seeing less and less of Mr. Norris on the big and small screen. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what the f*** happened to Chuck Norris? And I know the simple, obvious answer is, he got older. The dude is in his 80s. Yeah, okay, but here at Joe Blow, that answer isn't enough. So we're gonna ask it again. What the fuck happened to Chuck Norris? But to truly understand what the fuck happened to the Chuck, we must start at the beginning and the beginning began when he was born on his birthday, Oklahoma, 1940. Chuck Norris built the hospital that he was born in, and when Chuck Norris was born, he drove his mom home from the hospital. All true facts. Actually, he was kind of a, a shy, non-athletic kid, so, uh, so yeah, you, you, you can, you can be anything, shy, unathletic kids out there. 
At the age of 18, Chuck Norris joined the United States Air Force as an Air Force policeman and was stationed in South Korea. While stationed in South Korea, Chuck Norris took up martial arts, leading to several black belts and the creation of Chung Chuck Do aka the Chuck Norris system. At this point, Chuck Norris began participating in martial arts competitions. And contrary to popular belief, he was not an immediate success, losing his first two tournaments. But then he pretty much won everything else he ever did. Yeah, after a few years, Norris had improved and won the All-American Karate Championship at Madison Square Garden. While competing in these competitions, Chuck Norris met Bruce Lee. The two became fast friends, even working out and training together. And while Chuck Norris was doing all that, he made his big screen debut in the film The Wrecking Crew with Dean Martin and Sharon Tate. And I don't think he has any lines or anything. I don't even know if he's credited in this one. Yeah, actually his first credited role was The Way of the Dragon in 1972 or Return of the Dragon, as it is referred to in the United States of America. It was his strong friendship with Bruce Lee which led Norris to having his first credited acting role as Bruce Lee's nemesis in this classic kung fu film. At the time of its release, Way of the Dragon was Hong Kong's highest grossing film ever. Bruce Lee, who was making his directorial debut, cast Chuck Norris for the film as he was the current U.S. Karate Champion, and found him to be one of the only people fast enough to keep up with him on screen. Lee and Norris reportedly actually made contact during their fight scenes. <laughs> After taking acting classes at MGM Studios, at the urging of his friend Steve McQueen, Norris would appear in his second and final villain role in the Hong Kong-produced Yellow-Faced Tiger, which is also known in the States as Slaughter in San Francisco. A lot of these movies have two titles. Deal with it. It's hard to deal with it, but I'm, I'm gonna deal with it. Then, in 1977 came the film Breaker Breaker. This was Norris's first big role as a leading protagonist. He played a truck driver on the quest to find his brother, and he was gonna kick and punch anyone in his way. This was Chuck saying, hey world, this is what I'm bringing to cinema. Then in 1978 came Good Guys Wear Black. Chuck Norris was in the process of developing a new kickboxing league in Los Angeles when he was offered the role in this film, the lead role. He credits his decision to take the film over developing a kickboxing league as the defining point in his transition from martial arts to acting. The film ultimately would take in over $18 million on an estimated $1 million budget. In America, Chuck Norris's next film would be called A Force of One. Critics all agreed that the plot of the film was flimsy, 
and the production value was low. Yet some appreciated the strong karate sequences, while others called it a poor excuse for a lot of fighting. The film went on to make over $20 million. Then came the year 1980, which brought us the, the decade of the 80s. And the movie The Octagon would kick off that decade of the 80s, also known as the Decade of Norris. Chuck Norris played a martial artist who must stop a group of ninjas from creating a worldwide training camp for terrorists. Ninja terrorists! This film continued Chuck Norris's string of low-budget successful films pulling in 19 million dollars. Then in 1981 came Eye for an Eye. Reviews were mixed with some calling the action tame. The budget was around 4 million and was able to pull in 12 million worldwide. Then Chucky Boy would venture into the world of science fiction with the film Silent Rage in 1982. The film was specifically written for Chuck Norris with the director saying, you don't hire Chuck Norris not to do karate, so Chuck Norris does some karate. The film pulled in $10.4 million. Then, in 1982 came Forced Vengeance. And you know what? All of Chuck Norris's movies seem to have the same plot. Not that that's a bad thing. A lone guy forced to take matters into his own hands when something happens to his friends. In this movie, that formula sees Norris as a casino security guard who is forced to take on the Hong Kong mob after they threaten his friends. This film was Chuck Norris's biggest budgeted film yet, with $5 million, yet this one only made $6.6 million. <laughs> then in 1983 came one of his best films ever, Lone Wolf McQuaid. Norris would play J.J. McQuaid, a Texas Ranger who prefers to work alone. Norris and the villain, David Carradine, refused to use stunt doubles for their big fight scene. Critical reception was mixed, though, yet one big fan was Roger Ebert, the guy with the thumbs, who compared Chuck Norris to Clint Eastwood in a spaghetti western. But this movie right here, Lone Wolf McQuaid, it made 12 million domestically. Norris's biggest solo hit came by way of playing a Vietnam vet who returns to Vietnam to find soldiers listed as missing in action, which was filmed consecutively at the same time, back to back in a row, with Missing in Action 2, the beginning. Missing in Action was heavily criticized for being a cheap Rambo knockoff, because it is, but it is Chuck Norris's biggest solo grossing film yet, 26 million domestically, 
Critics also said that the film lacks suspense since you knew that Chuck Norris was going to succeed in his mission the entire time. But of course he's going to succeed, he's Chuck Norris! Missing in Action 2 was originally meant to be the first film released, but when both films were completed it was decided that what was to become Missing in Action was the better of the two films and would be released first, thus making Missing in Action 2 a prequel. Whoa. So Missing in Action 2 comes before Missing in Action 1. Missing in Action 2 was only able to make just shy of 11 million at the box office, losing over 50% of the first film's gross. Critics found the film to be shrewd and cheap and even disrespectful to actual Vietnam vets. Yet Chuck Norris made the film to honor his brother, who was killed in Vietnam. Then in 1985 came Chuck Norris's next film, Code of Silence. This script was actually supposed to be a Dirty Harry movie, but Clint Eastwood didn't want to do it, so uh, Chuck Norris came in and they just, they just, they changed it to, to not being a Dirty Harry movie. A Dirty Chuck movie. And this one right here, Code of Silence, is considered by many to be Chuck Norris's best film ever. And even the critics like this one, those, those pesky critics who don't like anything he does, they actually like this one, saying that this was a giant leap forward for Chuck Norris's acting career. <laughs> Then, also in that same year, 1985, came Invasion USA. Whereas Chuck Norris had heavy input on most of his previous films, this one right here was the first movie for which he was credited as the screenwriter. The film debuted at number one with $6.9 million and went on to make $17.5 million. This right here is a great piece of cinema. Chuck Norris defending America from an army of commie terrorists. Movies don't get any better than this, which is why the critics hated it. Then in 1986 came Delta Force. Chuck Norris joined legendary tough guy Lee Marvin for this film, which was born in response to the actual real-life hijacking of TWA Flight 847, which always felt kinda weird yet intriguing to me. Playing with the genre of cheesy action movie and mixing it with real-life events. This is such a strange yet effective way for Chuck Norris to express himself artistically and share his thoughts on how we should handle terrorism. It's a political statement through an action movie. Canon Films agreed to pay Chuck Norris $2 million for this film. The entire film reportedly cost $9 million to make and would go on to make $17 million at the box office. Then in 1986 came Firewalker. Chuck Norris compared the film's adventure to that of Raiders of the Lost Ark and Romancing the Stone. And he compared the comedy to that of Crocodile Dundee. And he compared the companionship to that of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And Norris wasn't far off. 
as critics also compared the film to Raiders of the Lost Ark and Romancing the Stone and Crocodile Dundee and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but essentially calling it a much worse plagiarized version of all of those better films. Norris would then take a break from being an action movie star to become an animated action TV star with Chuck Norris Karate Commandos, spelled with a K. The series had several tie-ins, including a Marvel comic and action figures. This, this right here was the epitome of Chuck exploitation for kids. Not that that's a bad thing. And yeah, you know what? You are not a true superstar until there is a Saturday morning cartoon based on your persona. What do you think the claw's gonna do to him? He probably took him out behind the woodshed. <laughs> Norris would then return to the writer's chair for the last time in his third outing as Colonel James Braddock in Braddock Missing in Action 3. This film would be the directorial debut of his longtime collaborator and brother, Aaron Norris. Norris would then play a cop hunting for a serial killer in Hero and the Terror in 1988. The film would open in 12th place at the box office, only making about $6 million. Then came the 90s, and Norris would kick off that decade by returning to one of his most popular roles, Major Scott McCoy in Delta Force 2, Operation Stranglehold. Critics said that the film had horrible acting and the plot was too similar to Norris's missing in action. So what? The film would go on to make $6.6 .6 million off a $16 million budget. After appearing in an action film called The Hitman in 1991, Norris would step into the producer's chair for Sidekicks. And a lot of people call this movie a blatant ripoff of Karate Kid because, you know, it is. But this time, the bullied kid who's learning karate has an imaginary Chuck Norris friend. Starring Chuck Norris, playing Chuck Norris as Chuck Norris in the only way that Chuck Norris could Chuck Norris. This film would actually be very successful and return Chuck Norris to being king of the box office, kinda, making $17 million. But of course, those critics didn't like this one, calling it a propaganda film for Chuck Norris's training centers. But you know what? This movie wasn't made for you, critics. It was made for little kids in the early 90s, and the target demographic f***ing loved it. Then Norris would tackle his most iconic role, Sergeant Walker in the long-running Walker, Texas Ranger. The show ran for eight successful seasons starting in 1993 and finishing up in 2001, and it was ranked in the top 25 for all eight seasons it aired. Not only did he star in this masterpiece of cowboy karate television, Norris also performed the theme song, He's a Man of Many Talents, 
And of course, Walker, Texas Ranger gained new popularity when NBC purchased Universal and late night legend Conan O'Brien introduced his Walker, Texas Ranger lever. It was amazing. He would pull that lever and random comical clips that were not meant to be comical were blasted before our eyes. It's probably one of the funniest things ever on television. A friend of mine. Did I? Close friend? Oh, golly, that's awful. Isn't that awful? Oh, yeah, Vince, that's just awful. <laughs> oh, because I love you. Walker told me I had AIDS. But yeah, Walker, Texas Ranger critics called the show super corny and predictable, but you know what? I say that you critics are super corny and predictable too, so haha, uh -huh, there, gotcha. Burn, super burn. While he was making Walker, Texas Ranger, he still had to pump out those movies too. In 1994, Chuck Norris would appear in his brother Aaron's next directorial effort, Hellbound, playing a Chicago cop who encounters an ancient demon. This film marked the end of Chuck Norris's collaboration with Canon Films, as well as the end of Canon Films entirely. Then Norris would follow in the path of Tom Hanks and Jim Belushi, starring opposite a cuddly pooch for the 1995 film Top Dog. This was the last film Chuck Norris headlined that would receive a theatrical release. That's right, Top Dog was the last time Chuck Norris starred as a leading man in a theatrical movie. And Top Dog received not one single positive review. I'm sure somebody out there likes it. With Chuck Norris kicking ass on TV screens across the country in Walker, Texas Ranger, his film output did slow down a bit. The 90s would see two more Chuck Norris movies, but they would be direct-to-video. One would be Forest Warrior in 1996, where he has the power to transform into animals. Well, if there's nothing I can do to change your mind, then maybe I can. And there was a movie called Logan's War, Bound by Honor in 1998. In the year 2000, he would appear in the CBS TV movie, The President's Man. 2003, we would see him pop up in Bells of Innocence, a Christian film co-starring his son Mike and granddaughter Gabby. In 2005, he would produce and appear in the direct-to-video cop thriller, The Cutter. Then came Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Chuck Norris would appear in this now infamous cameo where he, unlike Siskel and Ebert, gives a thumb up. This cameo is hilarious and it's one of the best cameos of all time. 
Then, in 2005, came Chuck Norris Facts. This brought on a new level of fame for Chuck Norris. An unheard of level of fame. Iconic, legendary, beyond that. There are not words to describe where these Chuck Norris facts put Chuck Norris. They made him more than immortal. They made him more than a legend, more than a joke, more than a fact. Just more, more than more. Well, they wanted to put Chuck Norris on Mount Rushmore, but the granite wasn't tough enough for his beard. <laughs> In 2009, he endorsed and co-wrote the official Chuck Norris fact book, 101 of Chuck Norris's favorite facts and stories. It's always best to embrace the jokes, so that we are officially not laughing at him, but with him. And he even used Chuck Norris jokes to campaign for Mike Huckabee, and his role in Expendables 2 used one of these facts slash jokes. I heard another rumor that you were bitten by a king cobra. Yeah, I was. But after five days of agonizing pain, the cobra died. Speaking of Expendables 2, that would be the next time we would see Chuck Norris on the big screen, eight years after his dodgeball cameo. Chuck Norris was enjoying his retirement from acting when Sylvester Stallone gave him a call to appear in the next Expendables movie. And when Sly Stallone calls you to join the team, you do not say no. There were rumors that Norris only agreed to do the film if the violence was toned down, and the cuss words, resulting in a PG-13 Expendables movie. And to date, this is the last film that Chuck Norris has ever appeared in. It's also the highest grossing film that he's ever appeared in also, pulling in 312 million worldwide. The critics seem to appreciate this film more than Expendables 1, saying that it didn't take itself as seriously. And yeah, the Expendables movies, they're, they're fun, and Chuck Norris, it's, he's the perfect addition. Yeah. In 2015, there was a film called Chuck Norris vs. Communism. It screened at Sundance, and it's not exactly what you think. It's a documentary about how American films were illegally smuggled into communist-controlled Romania. It's a wonderful little flick about how the power of cinema can overcome anything, even communism. And just the fact that this film is about many different movies, not just Chuck Norris, but is still titled Chuck Norris vs. Communism, it really says something about the power of Chuck. And as recently as July 25th, 2021, Chuck Norris was in the news again as he handed out a karate black belt to an 83-year-old woman who has gone on to inspire the now 81-year-old Chuck Norris to start training again. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, there's a Chuck Norris comeback coming around the corner? I don't know. We don't really need one. I mean, he's done plenty. You know, they say Chuck Norris is so tough, there's no chin under his beard. There is only another fist. That's ridiculous. Chuck Norris? So yeah, what the f*** happened to Chuck Norris? 
Well, yeah, he slowed down as he got older, like all of us do. But the really real reason why Chuck Norris stepped away from the spotlight, you see, is because his wife, she got really sick and would need medical attention for the rest of her life. And like the honorable man he is, Chuck Norris set movies aside and took care of his wife. And that's what makes Chuck Norris a true hero. And as a huge Chuck Norris fan, I never thought I would say this, but I, I want to thank you, Chuck Norris, for not making any more movies. Thank you for walking away from show business and doing the right thing, taking care of your family, truly living up to your impossible legendary status. He spoon-fed her baby food and read her several books. I just thank, thank God that uh, we were able to weather it and that she did get better. The 1980s saw a rise of several action stars. And yet one could argue that even with the likes of Stallone, Schwarzenegger, and Van Damme, the decade truly belonged to Norris. His films were never $100 million grocers, no or even respected by those pesky critics. But you know what? They were kick ass. The guy was a one-man ass-kicking factory. So many asses were getting kicked. He gave me a big hug. I was like, holy shit, Chuck Norris knows who I am. Damn right he did. I couldn't have been happier. No wonder you're unbreakable, you little sucker. I was, I was beaming. Sucker. I was beaming. Chuck Norris is a true representative of the lost art that is the 1980s action flick. In the 90s, his film output slowed down, but that was only because he was making one of the biggest kick-ass shows of all time, Walker, Texas Ranger, walking all over the competition. And then when the sun seemed to set on Norris, and he was finally fading into the background to enjoy retirement, he appears in one of the best cameos ever and has his biggest box office gross ever, and becomes even more famous for being the ultimate badass that all things living, dead, or inanimate must bow down to with Chuck Norris facts. Did you know that Chuck Norris has a diary? It's called the Guinness Book of World Records. Sorry, just trying to squeeze in one final Chuck Norris fact in there before we have to say goodbye and thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chuck Norris. But yeah, in all seriousness, actually, Chuck Norris died 20 years ago. But death doesn't have the courage to tell him. This is for me. I'm Mike Huckabee, and I approve this message. So did Chuck. Chuck Norris approved. Thank you for watching our show. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow videos channel. Tell your friends who like this sort of content and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all of our latest videos. We're an independent company and we appreciate all your support.